Just got back from a camping trip, Kill Bear. So I got to do lots of cliff jumping and stuff, which was super fun. The last day there were big waves and I'm, I love to swim. So it was super fun to jump in and get tossed by the waves a little bit. But there were lots of mosquitoes too, so that was fun. So if any of you have ways to dispel mosquitoes, come talk to me after. <laughs> I was talking to the kids and I was like, you know, the demons fell and they probably turned into mosquitoes. So just picture them as mosquitoes and squish them. Anyway, and the angels, I was like, and the angels are the dragonflies that are eating the mosquitoes right now. Yes. Uh, yeah, this morning I want to talk about not letting our love grow cold. And this has been something that has so been on my heart, even as I planted this church, Adam and I. Um, and I've always prayed that our passion would be stirred, that we would be full of hunger for God, that we would be a people who just can't stop going after him and just want more and want more and want more. Who remembers the song, Don't Let My, or was it called, Light the Fire Again by Brian Dirksen? Don't let my love grow cold, I'm calling out, light the fire again. <laughs> anyway, good song. Um, and I remember singing that so many times growing up and just all of my heart was just singing that with everything in my being. God, would you set me on fire even more? You know, and sadly, right, we've seen a lot of people fall away from the faith. We've seen a lot of people who have been passionate. And I, I find a lot of times it starts with a little seed of doubt or a li little thing that's happened or even a big thing, but we don't deal with it. We push it down and we say it's okay and we keep going and we keep going until it festers and it poisons our relationship with God, right? And I think staying on fire for God is the key, you know, to staying the distance to finishing well, right? I remember one of my best friends, uh, we were super close and she ended up getting a job on Sundays and bit by bit she didn't come to church anymore. She stopped hanging out with me and she started hanging out with all the work friends and bit by bit she ended up completely turning away from God and it broke my heart and it still hurts me so much. And it's something that I really have realized in my walk with God is to go after those doubts, to go after those pain within us, you know, Instead of just pushing it down, we've got to deal with it. You know, the, it's the questions like, God, where were you when this happened? Why did you let this happen to me? Sneaky thoughts like, are you really even good? If you loved me, you would have. And so many more questions like these, right? And so they have to be brought to the Father so that they don't poison our relationship with him. I remember... Um, I think it was about a few weeks ago, Adam had our leaders do this exercise where we write down our dreams and our hopes and things that we want to do this summer. And I was actually having a really bad attitude about it. And I was kind of feeling like, I don't want to do this. I've done this so many times. And how many have I I've actually checked off the list, right? And it was like this pain in me. And for the next two days, I felt like I'd actually been kicked in the stomach. And I was like, what's going on? And Adam had us journal what some of the obstacles were. And God clearly said to me, Amy, you have some ungodly beliefs here that you need to deal with because you don't really feel like these, you don't want to dream big anymore. You don't want to believe for these big things because you've been disappointed so many times. 
and it hurts too much. And I want to go into those deep places of wounding and hurting you. And I want to deal with them. And I want you to hope again. And so it was awesome last week as I was here in church, I felt this sense of like, I want you to believe for the impossible again, Amy. I want you to be a woman so, so filled with faith that I can do those great things that you have deep in you that you're scared to bring up to the surface. And it's been really good of just even dreaming about little things like, I'm going to go to a fall fair, you know. I've wanted to do that for like four years, and I'm going to actually do it. And I'm going to be, you know, intentional about these things. I think God really wants us to go after those places, right? He's not afraid of the pain. He's not afraid of the doubt. He's not, he's not going to be angry and, and chastise you, but he's like, bring it to me. Bring me that pain. Let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. And it's so good. So I want to take a look at Solomon's life with you. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings 3, 3 through 14. So Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given by, to him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was what for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David. Because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart, you have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on this throne this very day. Now, my Lord, you have made me your servant, king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that you will never, um, so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for. I will give you both wealth and honor so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among the kings, and you will walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, and I will give you a long life. So Solomon has this encounter with God, right? As he begins his reign, he has this cry to God, this is, this is what I want, right? And God blesses him with crazy wisdom. It says that no one will ever have the wisdom of Solomon. And I want to go now into Solomon's end in 1 Kings 11, 1 through 13. It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from the nations about which the Lord had said to the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because surely they will turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. 
and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after their gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. He followed Ashereth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he did not follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of, the Mo, of Moab. And he did the same for all of his foreign wives who burnt incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude... And you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you to. I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you. And I, I want to talk about this, right? So, so many times we look at Solomon's life, right? And he had these crazy encounters with God. But bit by bit, he didn't draw that line. He didn't, you know, he ended up surrounding himself with people who loved other things more than God. And so something that I've seen so, so much is who we surround ourselves with is who we will become, right? And I think that's one of the reasons why I've, I've, I just have always surrounded myself with people who are passionate about God and I'm drawn to them. And I just like, you're super passionate about God, come be in my life, you know? And there's so many times, right, you know, our kids are so on fire for God and then they go to high school and they get all these friends, and bit by bit, they get turned away from God, or they, they turn their back on God. Or, you know, you can go to university, so on fire for God, and go out of university because the teachers tell you God's not real. That's, that's not wise, you know? And all of this stuff, and we end up turning away. And so it's so good to have those people in your life that you surround yourself with, who are, you know, in your closest circles, who keep spurring you on towards Jesus. It's vital. You know, I, I know many people who have encountered God who are crazy on fire, but they ended up turning away because they got filled with bitterness. I want to read 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says through something, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for dis- destruction, but to those who are being saved, it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent so that where does god leave? so where does god leave the philosophers the scholars and the world's br- brilliant debaters god has made the wisdom of the world look foolish since god in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's nonsense. But to those who are called to God by salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, a few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful and wealthy when God called you. But instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. 
And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing, bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ has made us right with God. He has made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you boast, boast only in the Lord. I love that. You know, I love that a lot of our Christian leaders, you know, like, we're drug addicts. We're people who, you know, he raised up because God can do anything with the littlest and the lowest, and he can use any of us in, in our weakness. His power is made perfect, you know. And that's what I love about God is he's not looking for you to have it all together, to have all the wisdom. He's just looking for the willing vessels. Human wisdom will tell you God's not real or it's weakness to surrender, you know, but I've realized that the best thing ever is to give up your agenda and serve him. And I I know we say it a lot here, but the kingdom of God is upside down, you know, the, the weak will be made strong. The last shall be first. And I want to talk about finishing well. This is something that's been on my heart so much lately. And I know I've told some of you this, um, but when I was at the Catch a Fire 25th anniversary and I met Andrew Brunson, who was the Turkish pastor who was imprisoned in Turkey, I had no idea what he was going to say to us when we met with him. And I just remember him saying, guys, so many actually don't finish well, and it's a valley of dry bones. And it hit me. He was like, we need to be a people that no matter what, we go after Jesus and we pursue him. And he was talking about how he was tortured in prison, and he didn't feel God's presence those two years in prison at all. It's like it had lifted from him. And the first year he said he was a shell of a man. He wanted to die the first whole year. He just kept praying, make me a martyr. I'll give anything. Just get me out of here. He's like, but then the second year, I just learned to rebuild my faith bit by bit by bit. Otherwise, if I got out after the first year, I would have been a basket case for the rest of my life. But he ended up strengthening himself bit by bit in the Lord. And he was like, I don't understand why God's presence wasn't there, but I'm so glad that I came out of prison saying, still I will serve you, still I will trust you, and still I clung to you. And it just, it, it just hit me so hard. And he was talking about how his wife was so much stronger than him through the whole ordeal. And he said it was because he's kind of like the tortoise in the hare where he has no time with the Lord. And then all of a sudden he fills up, you know, on God and he spends all this time with the Lord. But his wife was consistent daily. Every single day she spent time with the Lord. And he's like, and I just watched how it carried her through. And he's like, and I want to be more like my wife. And it was a, it was a real encouragement to me, you know, because I had come to that conference feeling really broken, really tired out, really like I have no grace left. And God just told me, there isn't this miracle solution for you, Amy. You need to press in. You need to press in. You need to press in. And I love what John Arnott says. He's like, after the conferences, a lot of times, go, now go fall in love with Jesus. Just now go fall in love with Jesus. And that's the cry of my heart. He who began a good work in us will finish it. But the thing is that he won't make it. He won't make you do something. He needs your surrender. 
He doesn't control us. He needs our surrender. And so sometimes we're like, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you all of these things? And he's like, I was looking for you to let me in. I was looking for you to press in. I need you to want me. I don't force myself. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until finally it is finished on the day that Jesus Christ returns. Hmm, we got to surrender our control to him. Luke 17.33 says, If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you let it go, you will save it. And that's the thing, when you really experience this, you know, there's so much of my life I was holding on to things. I was holding on to my rejection. I was holding on to my pain, and I didn't know how to let it go. And sometimes that's why we need the body. We need each other to help each other through these things. Say, I've been through it. Let me help you, right? But it was like that point, as I gave God a little bit, I saw what he did with me. And then I gave him a little bit more and a little bit more, and I walked through times of deep pain and I kept saying, still I trust you, still I trust you. And he did so much of me. And I'm just like now at the place where I'm like, I will surrender everything to you, even in the pain, because I know you're worth it. I know what you will do. And I say it over and over and over again, but he is the God who brings beauty from ashes. You know, and it's good to look at these stories of, of people's downfalls and to take you know, heed and to understand, okay, I, what, what can I do to keep staying on fire, to keep my heart towards you? Because, right, Judas, the scarlet, right, spent every day with Jesus. He experienced the miracles. He saw it all, and still he didn't deal with money. He still, the love of money was so strong in him, right, and it was his downfall. And so I want to read about the end of Gideon's life in Judges 8, 22 through 20, 35. It says, the Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son, but I have one request, that each of you will give me an earring to share of your plunder. They answered, We will be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment, and each of them threw a ring into his plunder. The weight of the gold rings, he asked, came for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian or the chains that were on their camels' necks. Gideon made a gold, the gold into an ephod, which he placed in, the Orf, in Orpha, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. Gideon, son of Joash, came back home to live. He had 70 sons and many wives. His concubine, who lived in Shechem, also bore him a son, who he named Abimelech. Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of his father. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to Baal. They set up Baal Bereth as their god and did not remember the Lord their god who had rescued them from the hand of their enemies on every side. They also failed to show any loyalty to the family of Gideon in spite of all the good things that he had done for them. And this is, it's a good warning to us, right? To rid ourselves of the customs of the world around us to keep being set apart, to keep our lives pure. You know, 
each of us have, it may, it may not be women or men or, you know, or it may not be money, but for some of us, it might be the love of, of people to approve of us that's so strong that it comes before God, right? It, it can be a sneaky thing that we don't realize. And so it's good to take these things to God and be like, God, you know, rid me of my need to be seen and let me just be seen by you. That was a big one for me. Rid me of my need to be seen or loved by people and let me know that I'm loved by you so that I don't walk into a room wanting everybody to love me, but I go into a room loving everybody out of the place that I am loved and that's who I am. And that is like my heart so much. We need to surrender those things that steal our love so they don't become something that we stumble over. I saw recently like some commercial um, talk about how they made this documentary and she's a photographer for the wealthy. And she's like, they made this documentary, like they keep wanting more and it's like this pursuit of I need more, I need more. And these people, some of them are billionaires and they don't have enough, right? It just, they keep needing it and needing it. It becomes this crazy pursuit. First Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And for some people, craving money they have wandered away from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Matthew 24, 12 says, sin will be rampant and everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. And something that I really realized is that relationships take work, right? We have to be intentional. We have to pursue. We have to make time for it. You know, I was talking to my sister recently, but, you know, we realized that a lot of our lives, we had only one foot into things because we moved around a lot and, you know, we were in the ministry and doing a lot of churches, but it was like, you know, we didn't really invest in friendships and stuff because we're like, oh, how long will they last? But, you know, realizing to deal with that and being like, no, I'm going to be two feet in. I'm going to be all in, you know, and I'm just now experiencing in my 30s that relationship with people and depth of friendship. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I never, you know, be all in before? This is so good. The truth is, I love Danny Silk says this, that it takes intentionality, skill, and invested effort in a relationship to have it filled with joy, love, connection, and significance. And I have that like saved on my posts and I read it all the time. Because it's that reminder to me to be intentional because it's very easy for me with four kids and crazy life to just not put the effort in. And then I realize, you know, I'm not having that connection. And I'm like, I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be intentional. And that applies to all of my life. I want to be a woman of intention. A woman who takes that time for the Lord, takes that time for friendships, takes time to invest and grow. Chris Valentin says this as well. Valuing the word of the Lord means that we take the time to hear him. Moses walked past the burning bush in the desert and heard nothing until he stopped and turned aside. We need to set time aside, just diligently seek God with our whole heart. You know, and the reason that I'm here today and why I'm so passionate for God is because it's been years of pressing in, years of letting him mold me, years of saying yes experiencing him daily until everything else pales in comparison, right? You know, relationships have to be fought for. It is a battle. It really is. 
It's so easy to not connect with people to stay home and watch Netflix, right? Or just to watch TV and I'm too tired. That's been a big one I realized that God really convicted me on. I was just like, I could be hanging out with these people, but I'm too tired. And it was like becoming this thing all the time. And I was like, I need to stop this cycle. And when I actually make the time for it, right? You're like, oh, this is so worth it. You make time for what you value. And right, good things don't just fall into our laps. We have to go after it. Some of the most successful people in the world were ones that went through crazy adversity and would not give up. You know, there's so many stories and you're like, oh, wow. Like, like Justin Bieber went to, like, I think radio station after radio station after radio station, they kept rejecting him and rejecting him and rejecting him and rejecting him. And he kept going, you know, and Michael Jordan got kicked off of his high school basketball team, but he wouldn't give up. He keep, kept practicing and kept practicing. And there's a lot of us, and I'm guilty of that, where you get told no once, and it's like, okay. And I was talking to Melissa the other day, and like, my dad was a dad who had to be convinced a little bit. And so I was like, dad, can I have something? And he'd be like, no. And I was like, okay. And Melissa, the smart sister here, she was like, I remember there was like these board shorts I, we both really wanted and she went to dad and she made her case, man. She's like, they are way more modest than bathing suit bottoms and like all of this. And she got these board shorts and I was like, ah, oh. you know, and I would just, I wouldn't press in. I wouldn't press after it. I just took rejection and I walked away. And so it's good to go after it. <laughs> So I will create a good argument for what I want next, Dad. Uh, you know, we can, look at, we can look at the Heidi Bakers and the Bill Johnsons of the world or whatever, and we want to be like them, but we don't see the struggle that they went through, the path that they went through. You know, Bill Johnson said, I will be a fool the rest of my life if no one thinks, if everyone thinks I'm crazy, I want you more. He had these moments with God, right? Heidi Baker went through crazy things. She was being shot at, all of this, and she just kept saying, Jesus, I want you more. She was so burnt out. She went through so much pain, and we just see their, their glories now, but we don't realize that they were the people who are just like, I want you more than I want anything else. You know, they were walking through the fire. They said yes, even when they were afraid. I'm, I loved when Heidi Baker was like, the presence of God was so strong, it was so painful that I thought I would die. And I was like, I can't handle anymore, and he kept coming. And she's like, I'm going to die. Anyway, good story. I remember at school ministry, Patricia Bootsna came to Adam and I, and she was prophesying over us, and she said, Amy, God's changing your entire map of your life. And I was like, in my mind, <laughs> I don't want my map to change. I reject that word. <laughs> you know, all I wanted was to be in the arts. I wanted to act and sing and do all of that. And God had actually taken me into an open vision when I was 20 years old about this massive dream center for the arts. And God did so much in my heart at School of Ministry. And by the end of it, God said, I still love that you love the arts, but you know what's changed? And all of a sudden I was like, I do. 
My whole life is about identity. I want people to know that their identity is that they're absolutely loved and they're sons and daughters, and I'm going to use music. I want to use the arts to bring people closer, but it's just a means. And I realized that was the map of my life. Everything had changed. And my sister ended up getting a word for me and prophesying over me. And she was like, you were doing all of these things in British Columbia. You were acting. You were, you know, in music. You were doing all of this stuff. And then God took you out of it. And he took you through a way less glamorous road. But he knew the deep depths and the desires of your heart. And so he took you on the road to really finding him. Because I could have been doing all those things, but I would not have the depth of relationship that I have, and it's worth everything. It absolutely is worth everything. Yeah, sometimes it breaks my heart that I'm not acting and doing these things, but I want Jesus more than it because I've experienced him on this journey. So the question is, right, how do we stay on fire for God? How do we keep pressing, and how do we finish well and stay on that path? And one of my favorite verses, and I say it probably in every message, who knows? <laughs> but I want to say it in the Passion Translation. It's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all of your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. And this is the big one. It's dealing with those doubts and saying, even though I don't understand, I will trust you. I remember when we moved to Kitchener in faith to plant this church like six or seven years ago. Now, um, we had rented a house, and our friends were in the basement, and they, she had missed her home in, in Wisconsin, and so they didn't even tell us, and they up and kind of left to Wisconsin. And I was super angry, and I was in my room so angry, and I was so afraid. Like, God, we cannot afford the rent alone. What are we going to do? And I just heard the Lord so clearly say, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? And so Adam put an ad on Kijiji for a family of four looking for a home, and these people emailed us. And I was like, looked at the pictures, and I was like, is this real? Like, and we ended up going to their house, and it was like 1300 a month, and they brought it down to 1200 because they liked us so much. And it was this massive house with like two, two walk-in closets and a, a massive jacuzzi tub, and it had a garage and a big backyard. Like, it was just crazy, and everything else was like 1800 the same as that. And it was just a real blessing. And I was like, God, you provide. And then all of a sudden, they're like, do you want to buy it because we're selling it? And we're like, we don't have the money. And I'm freaking out again. Again, God said, do you trust me? So we're looking at all these houses to rent. And I'm like, we can't afford $1,800 a month. We, you know, I don't know. And now I've had another baby. And I don't know what to do, Lord. And I just was like, okay, I trust you. And I remember Ovi came in to us and he said, you're supposed to buy a house. And I was like, but we don't have money for a down payment. But we stepped out in faith. And so we'd look at a house and we found a realtor and it was horrible and I would cry. And we'd look at another house and it was horrible and I would cry. And the house that we got now was the only one I sort of liked. And, you know, the one room was pink and the other room was purple and there was a yellow room and a green room and a red room. And I was like, okay, but 
paint. Paint can fix that. And it was way smaller than our other house that we had previously been in. And I had been like, God, I have the faith for this big house. I have the faith for like a million dollars. You can give me a million dollar home, Lord. And there was this house we would drive by all the time, Adam and I, and it had gargoyles. And we're like, we'll just take those down. But that's our house, Lord. And uh, at the time, God, and, and then for the money, for the down payment, God said, I want you to ask people for money. And I was like, but I have faith for you to provide the down payment. And here I am shaking and crying, calling people and being like, can you give us money? Can you give us 2000 You know, and it was so painful. But God's like, I'm dealing with your pride. In this smaller house, you've been holding on to things your whole life, and I want you to get rid of stuff and realize that this doesn't matter. And now I love purging. I'm like, what else can I get rid of? You know? And we homeschool our children, and now our whole neighborhood is this neighborhood filled with children who knock on the door, and our kids play till it's dark. And they love, we love our community. And I'm like, God, you knew what I needed. I didn't need this mansion. I didn't need all these things. I needed to get rid of my love of things. I needed to let go of my pride and trust you. And within two months, we got, we were photographers as well, and we got given all of this money, or got all of this money from all of these weddings that we just got, and we were able to pay off all the down payment within two months. So I was like, you provide, not how I wanted you to, but you did something in me way more if you had just given it to me. And so over and over again, I'm like, I trust you. And then like within, I think, six months, the market went way up. And we could have never even afforded a house like that. And so God's like, I had to get you out of that nice house and into this because I know what I'm doing. You have to trust me. And it's just like all of those things when you step out and trust him and trust him and you don't understand, you know, he's so worth it. He's so trustworthy. Don't rely on your own opinions. I love that. With all of your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. And that's the truth. The road isn't always easy. <laughs> but he will do a good work in you. So we need to ask God to reveal himself to us more and more. We need to seek after God and make him our number one priority. We need to give him our time. One thing that I'm really strong on is prayer walks with the Lord. I go and I just get away from the kids. And I just have those times. Some people might think I'm crazy. There are times where I'm like, Lord, I give you this and I give you this. And I, I just, this is, this is your church. It's not my church, so you fix it, you know? Like, I don't know what my neighbors are thinking, but I come home a lot lighter. And I hear God just speaking to me. And, you know, I have baths with the Lord, and I bring in, you know, my God journal and my Bible and everything, and I just put the fan on so I can't hear anything, and I just have that time with the Lord. And it's really good to fight for those things. And I will say this again and again and again, but surround yourself with people who absolutely love Jesus. Hang out with them often. Make time for them. It's so worth it. You know, I've seen so many people say they're longing for community, but they don't make the time for it. They're like, yeah, 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 I'll go. Or yeah, 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 I'll, but they don't make the time for it. 
And it is something that has to be fought for. But it's so worth it and it's so rich as I've realized, as I've put two feet in, how much more rich my life is, right? Another thing is, you know, making time for the word, filling your mind with it, asking Holy Spirit to reveal himself and show you his truth, and inviting Holy Spirit into your every day. I wake up in the morning. I remember at YWAM when I was 16, the one lady who was speaking there, she said every morning she'd put her hands like three-prong plug, and she'd just lay there till she felt Holy Spirit. And she'd be like, just come Holy Spirit. And sometimes I put my hands up in the morning, sometimes I just lay there, but I'm like, I just invite you into my whole day, Holy Spirit. Hmm. Intentionally pursue him and fight for your time with him. Hmm. Get rid of the things that are taking his place. You know, it's also helpful. One of the books that really was a breakthrough for me was called Beautiful Outlaw, and it's about the personality of Jesus. And I remember God saying to me, I'm going to reveal to you so much of my heart through this book. And so the one whole chapter is on the generosity of Jesus. And this was really incredible. But this week that I was reading that chapter, someone came and gave us a coach set. Then we got given an iPhone. And then this guy knocked on our door who had done some work on the house. And he said, I'm a Christian and God told me to come and give you a ladder. And the night before I prayed for a ladder so I could paint the ceiling. I was like, what? You know, and, and then he was like, I want to show you the little ways that I love you. And I remember coming downstairs and there was a sticker on my banana that said, I love your heart. And I was just like, I still have it in my God journal. You know, but it was as you like dive into the scriptures and you ask Jesus to reveal himself to you, you fall more in love with him. You experience him in his heart. Another one that's really helped me is strengthen yourself in the Lord. And I remember one of my pastor friends like, I've read it eight times already, and it gets me through. But it's, it's tools that Bill has learned to use that have really helped him stay strong. And one of the ones that I love is he's like, when I'm not feeling it in worship, I push through bodily till my spirit communes and comes into alignment. So he's like, there have been times I'm dancing, and I'm going for it, and I'm not feeling it. But then the feeling comes. I'm like, oh, that's so good. And there's so many things about, you know, surrounding yourself with testimony, surrounding yourself with thankfulness, choosing, choosing to press in. Hmm. I think, to me, every message comes back to abiding, to abiding in his presence, to abiding in his love, to learning to just live with him every single day. Include him in your life. Surrender to him and learn to trust him. Trust has been one of the biggest things ever for me as, you know, I shared some of those stories. But it's like now when bad things come towards me, I don't get so fearful. I don't get so afraid. And I'm just like, I trust you. It's been so amazing. And as you do these things right, faith grows, our, our hope grows, and most of all, our love begins to grow. Because the more that you spend time with God who is love, the more loving you become. And something I declare is, would you set my heart ablaze so that my love would never fade? Would you set my heart ablaze so that my love would never fade? I want to read Revelations 3. 
It says, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich and I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy your gold from me. Gold that has been purified by the fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so that you will, not, so that you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal with you together as friends. Those who are, who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as, the victorious, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Yeah, let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you're a God who wants all of us. I remember one of my friends saying, God gives us everything and he's just asking. The one thing that we can give him is our everything back. The only thing he needs that he can't take is our love. He wants our loves. And it's our beautiful gift to him. I give you my love. So God, I pray this morning that you would stir up more hunger in each and every one of us for you. I love to worship this morning. You know the words of, create in me a new wine. Make me your vessel. I'm never going back. You're relentless in your pursuit of us. You know, and I grew up there were so many things that I didn't realize about God, but the more that I've got to know Him, the more loving, the more intimate, and the more beautiful He is. has a personality and he wants to be known by you. God, I pray that we would be a people of passion. That you would be the center of our lives. You would be the center of our world that we would fit our entire lives around you, Jesus, because you're everything. 